Hey everyone, this is Pastor James. Welcome back to our midweek Bible study. We are finishing up chapter 26 today and so glad to be coming to an end. I think we've been in this thing for about five weeks now. But uh, last time we covered Jesus predicting Peter's denial and the disciples deserting him as well as his time of prayer in Gethsemane. And, uh, and if you remember, we finished up with his disciples sleeping instead of praying and not keeping watch. And this is leading us into our passage today as we move forward. And we're just focusing on Jesus being betrayed and arrested and uh, as he stands trial before the council. So let's read together Matthew chapter 26 verses 57 through 68 and we'll get going. It says, Then the people who had arrested Jesus led him to the home of Caiaphas the high priest, where the teachers of religious law and the elders had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and came to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and sat with the guards and waited to see how it would all end. Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find witnesses who would lie about Jesus so they could put him to death. But even though they found many who agreed to give false witness, they could not use anyone's testimony. Finally, two men came forward who declared, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus replied, You have said it. And in the future you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, Blasphemy! Why do we need any other witnesses? You have all heard this blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they shouted. He deserves to die. Then they began to spit in Jesus' face and beat him with their fists. And some slapped him, jeering, Prophesy to us, you Messiah. Who hit you that time? All right. Uh, let's dig into this just a little bit. And this account of Jesus being brought to the home of Caiaphas is actually one of many trials that Jesus would endure on this night of his betrayal. And, and according to the Gospel of John, he was taken to the home of Anas first. And he was Anas was the ex-high priest, and he was actually the father-in-law of Caiaphas. And so a lot of people think that Anas was still the man behind the curtain pulling all the strings for the position of high priest, and his son-in-law Caiaphas was pretty much like a puppet doing his bidding. Um, even though Caiaphas was the official high priest, Anas was probably still the one pulling all the strings. And Matthew, for whatever reason, the Gospel of Matthew omits this portion uh, of the evening. And he just kind of takes a more direct approach approach into telling his Jewish readers about the trial before the official uh, high priest at the time, which is Caiaphas. So um, in this Gospel, we're at the home of Caiaphas, okay? Uh, he's the official high priest, and you need to notice that the Gospel of Matthew tells of Peter following behind at a distance. Um, Peter sits in the courtyard with the guards waiting to see how all this would play out. So it is important to understand that Peter is still hanging on and he's trying to keep his oath in which he swore he would never abandon Christ but would die with him. So he's trying to hang on, he's trying to honor that, but it's not looking good for him. Now another interesting fact about this whole process is that the religious leaders were breaking their own law in order to conduct this trial. And it wasn't just in one way. They were breaking their own laws in many different ways. Um, 
the Sanhedrin's law stated that all criminal trials must begin and end in daylight. And so it was illegal that they were meeting at nighttime, that they arrested Jesus at night, that they were having this trial at nighttime. It was also illegal to do a criminal trial during the Passover season, which they are doing. Uh, a testimony had to be guaranteed by at least two witnesses that were examined separately <coughs> with no contact between the two. That didn't happen on this night. All the trials were supposed to start with evidence of innocence first, and the guilt would be the guilty evidence would be brought later. That didn't happen on this night. It was all guilty evidence with no innocence being proclaimed. This whole thing is a debacle from beginning to end. And they've arrested Jesus in darkness or secret. They're putting him on trial in darkness or in secret. And they don't seem to care about the measure upon which they're doing these things. They're doing all this stuff in darkness and in secret. And they've determined in their own hearts what they want done before any of this has ever started. So, once this illegal trial starts, the first thing that they're doing is trying to find someone who will lie about Jesus so that they could sentence him to death. I mean, when you read this, it just continues to get worse when you're thinking about all the stuff that they're doing. I mean, they're trying to get people to testify falsely. Uh, the awful thing about it is, is that there were many people who volunteered and were willing to falsely testify about Christ. And this is breaking the Ten Commandments. I mean, the religious leaders do not seem concerned at all that they are surrounded by people who are fully willing not only to break their laws with them, but also break the law of Moses or the law of God, the Ten Commandments. And their false testimonies were so bad that they couldn't even use them. I mean, none of them were even applicable to the situation at all. And according to the law of Moses, a false witness was supposed to be stoned to death, executed. But you don't see any one of these people who's coming to testify falsely against Christ you don't see them being put to death in this event on this evening. And so this gives, what this does is it actually gives us further testimony to the life of integrity that Jesus lived in his physical body. I mean, the fact that they couldn't even find people to falsely testify against him that would even come close to being believable. There was nothing that they could use to even find dirt on him in any way to even make up dirt in order to convict him. So that's an amazing thing about the life of Jesus is that he was absolutely a man of integrity. And finally, there was someone who came forward and said something truthful. And you can recall this. I mean, he told about the time that Jesus looked at the temples and he said, uh, destroy the temple and I could rebuild it in three days. And the high priest and his party of lawbreakers, they kind of have like a little something to go with on this moment because there's two men who say this, but it's still illegal because they came together. But they were actually supposed to be separated and questioned separately without having contact between them in order for this testimony to be valid. So they still they had a little bit of something to go by, but they really didn't have enough evidence to condemn Jesus. And so... He, uh, Caiaphas, the high priest, then he's he, he kind of sees how bad this is going. They're basically not getting anywhere. And he just asked Jesus, um, what are you going to say to these charges? And Jesus just remained silent. Um, and it's not out of disrespect. It's not out of, you know, Jesus doing something just to spite by being silent. He just remained silent because that stuff is not important. <clears throat> he has no need to reply in any way 
to what's being said because none of it's truthful. None of it's even applicable to the situation. But then Caiaphas demands that Jesus tell them whether or not he's the Messiah. And this is where things change. Because in this moment when he asks Jesus, tell us whether or not you're the Messiah, Jesus finally speaks up, and this is the moment where Jesus freely gives his life for the sins of the world. His statement, when, when Caiaphas asks him, tell us whether or not you're the Messiah, the statement that Jesus gives seals his own death, laying his life down for the sins of everyone that has ever lived. And once Jesus confirms to Caiaphas and the other religious leaders there that he is the Messiah and tells them what they're going to see one day, uh, that they would see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God, coming on the clouds. So even though these religious leaders are sitting in judgment on Jesus at the moment, Jesus one day would be, be there in power and authority sitting at the right hand of God, coming to judge them instead. And so at this, this is the point upon which Caiaphas tears his priestly robes. I mean, he he is distraught. I mean, this is just like everything he needs. It's, and it's almost like it says he tore his clothes in horror, but it's almost like he is probably celebrating at this point because now he has something that he can truly put Jesus to death on. And so he tears his, his robes. And, and from what I've read, and I'm not sure if I can... Uh, confirm this or not, I need to do a little more digging, but I'm pretty sure it was illegal for the priests to tear their priestly garments. Like Their garments were precious. They were, they were very intimately and specifically made, and they were not supposed to be destroyed in any way, so it was not appropriate for the priest to tear his clothes in, for any emotions, whether it be mourning or celebration or anything. But we see Caiaphas tear his clothing in this moment. So if that is, in, in, is indeed wrong or illegal for him to do that, this is just another law that's been broken by the religious leaders. So, so they're just doing all kinds of crazy stuff in this moment. All Jesus does is proclaim truth, and they are constantly breaking laws in order to see this thing through. And this is the point upon which they all begin to shout, Guilty! He deserves to die! Put him to death! And at this point... This is the part where Jesus begins to suffer. They're spitting on him. They're slapping him. They're punching him. They're jeering at him. They're taunting him. They're asking him to prophesy which one hit you that time, you Messiah. And so it begins to get really, really ugly. And from this point on, Jesus is going to endure an unimaginable amount of physical pain and suffering until his physical life comes to an end on the cross. All right, let's read about Peter, uh, poor Peter, uh, here over the next few verses as we finish up this chapter, and we'll be done. Verses sixty-nine through seventy-five. Let's read about Peter's denial. It says, meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came over to him and said, "You were one of those with Jesus the Galilean." But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. <coughs> Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. And a little time later, 
Some other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. And Peter swore, A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed, and suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind, And before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. Alright, so I think it's pretty important to see in, in this passage that the first time Peter's questioned about his association with Jesus is by this little girl. Um, it's not someone who's threatening. It's not an authoritarian figure. She doesn't even have good connections. In fact, she's just a servant. She's a little servant girl. And she comes up questioning Peter. And Peter denies his association with Christ. Um, then another servant girl noticed him and called him out, upon which Peter denied it with an oath this time. And it seems that Peter likes to swear oaths and make these grand proclamations, and uh, and he doesn't seem to mind breaking them either. Uh, and even to these non-threatening servant girls that have called him out for being associated with Christ. Then a little later on, we see that some other bystanders came up and accused him, and they even noticed his Galilean accent and mentioned that. And Peter swore and even cursed himself if he was lying, uh, and, which is super interesting because, you know, in that moment, he just, a curse on me. I don't, I don't know the man. If I'm lying, then a curse on me. And in fact, um, in that moment, Peter did curse himself as he denied Jesus that third time. The words of Christ came immediately into his mind as the rooster crowed. And Peter ran away, weeping bitterly at his own failure that he swore would never happen. <clears throat> and guys, as we close out today, I think it's pretty fair to say that we all would like to think that we're faithful and good and honest people. Many of us would even swear it, that, that we are, and that we would stick by our truth, we would stick by faith. And the truth is, is that we just don't know what we would do until the situation arrives. And our jobs as followers of Christ is not to presume or to be overconfident in ourselves, but our jobs are to call on the name of Jesus Christ for strength to overcome things like these situations that Peter just endured. Because we never know how we are going to react, but if we have Christ, we have everything we need to be consistent and to overcome. And like Jesus told the disciples just a few hours earlier, he said, stay awake, keep watch with me, pray with me so that you do not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but your body is weak. And today, I hope that you are doing that. I hope that you are keeping watch. I hope that you're staying awake. I hope that you're praying so that when the time of testing comes, that you won't give in to temptation. Because your spirit is willing, but your body is weak. So we need to call on the name of Jesus Christ and have the spiritual help with the Holy Spirit empowering us to live for God because our bodies are just not capable of doing it. We need a supernatural spiritual help from God in order to serve Him like He's called us to. And in this moment, Peter realizes at this time he just does not have what it takes to truly live for Christ, and to die with Him. All right? Let's pray together. Father, we just want to say thank you for this day, for everything you bless us with. 
God, thank you for the opportunity to come together, to read your word, to pray, and to study. Lord, we thank you for so many people who come before us to, to really research and know your word so that we can um, just read on those things and, and help us to better understand these passages and and really what's going on behind the scenes to just give us such a more clear understanding of what's going on. Thank you so much for that. God, I pray that you would help us all to keep watch, to stay awake, to pray, and to seek the power of God so that when our time of testing comes that we can remain strong and be pleasing and honoring to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks again for tuning in for another week. Thank you for being a part of the Graham Chapel family. Um, this weekend, if you can't make it in person, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, or the podcast. We love you. We're praying for you. Hope you have a great week.